All right, everyone. How you doing? I'm Sergio from the International Series of the Dodgeball Podcast. And here with me, I have... Katie Howard. I play for Manchester Bees in the UK. I play internationally for Wales Dragons Dodgeball. And I'm a Girls Dodge 2 ambassador for British Dodgeball. So as you can tell, Katie wears a lot of hats. And part <laughs> of the reasons why... <laughs> we're kind of laughing at that now, even before we started recording. Um the, the campaign Girls Dodge 2 came to my radar, I want to say, two months ago. Is that fair to say? Two to three months ago? Yeah, I think we had our first training session about, yeah, two, three months ago. So that's when we started kicking things off. So that's when they came onto my radar. And I wanted to say um, it's a very powerful message. Their, their message is pretty clear. Uh, equal footing for women in dodgeball, whether in the UK or abroad. So I wanted to give her an opportunity opportunity to not only share her story, but also talk about the campaign and the mission statement behind it. So before we get into all that, let's get into the preliminaries. So Katie, um, what's your jersey number for Manchester Bees and Wales and why? Uh, my, Manchester, my jersey number has been the number 38 throughout uni, Manchester Bees and Wales. Um, so me and my family have a timeshare in a lodge called Lodge 38 in the Lake District, um, and it's my favourite place. It's my happy place, um, and it's a number that no one else picks, so I can have it for all my jerseys, all my clubs. <laughs> so you said the 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 Lake District, I'm sorry? Yeah, the Lake District. So it's obviously no, nowhere near as mountainous as any mountains in, the, uh, in America, but it's kind of like North England, just loads of mountains, lakes, just like a gorgeous outdoorsy place oh wow <laughs> so you, you pretty much picked a jersey number based on your happy place yeah yeah that's very zen of you i'll have to say that <laughs> um, i don't think i've ever heard that from anyone like i've heard pets i've heard previous jersey numbers i've heard birthdays even um even favorite athletes but you know picking your happy place it's actually quite unique i'll have to say that it's quite a yeah. twist answer that i was not expecting <laughs> <laughs> so um when did you start playing uh dodgeball uh so i started at university so i went to sheffield university um and then in second year the start of second year my course mate patrick he was going on and on about this really fun sport like everyone should come along to and i was like all right okay fair enough right go to a session try it try it out I, I never really properly got into sports up until that point. So I didn't do any, any sports clubs. Um, turned, turned up to the session, had a lot of fun. It's just like a really funny sport to play as well. Like you're just standing there, just like enjoying yourself. Um, <laughs> and we went to the pub afterwards. And yeah, just six years later, here I am. Oh, so this was uh, six years ago in Sheffield. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> So it's safe to assume your first impression uh, based on playing and the pub after you had a good time and you were hooked. Yeah, yeah. It's such a social sport that, yeah, it just made friends like instantly. Um, and it's actually quite an easy sport to pick up as well. Like I wasn't that sporty and I could still kind of pick up a ball, throw it, dodge a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I was hooked. So just to kind of get the timeline right, uh, did you play during an era when you guys had those big cloth balls or the current oh. ones you guys use, the smaller ones? Yes. Yeah, that was such a slow era. Um, so I think <laughs> I played the big, like, so it's three ball. So you had three of those really big dodgeballs. I think I played that for two years until 2016-ish. They brought, they started thinking about bringing in five ball. And at the time, we were like, no, what? Five ball's going to just be a manic rush of ball. <laughs> Three ball's the way to go. And then about a year later of five ball, it we just realised how slow three ball was. Um, and yeah, and I love five ball now because there's just so much going on. It's just madness. <laughs> so you enjoy the madness now? Yes. Just, yeah. And then just like being able to like dodge four balls at a time. It's just really exciting and fun. So you said you had no sports background going up, uh, growing up. So you had nothing to go, uh, kind of fall back to. You just grew up with dodgeball, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I did do a bit of swimming and tennis, but that was when I was about 10 or 11. My sister was the one who was the sporty one. She 
play she did gymnastics for the county got a bit I think when she was like 11 she stopped that and then decided to do some rugby and athletics did that for the county um, and now she's a personal trainer or she was a few years ago so she was the sporty one <laughs> she doesn't play dodgeball no I attempted to bring her along um, but no she doesn't uh, so she's like a year and a half younger than me uh, but I did bring my brother in to dodgeball he's five years younger than me got him having a go at my first community club which is the vikings east anglin vikings um and he keep he's still playing um and he's really enjoying it your brother's still playing at uni yeah uh yeah so he started uh, going to birmingham university um and they've got a really good club so he's going to start going to their sessions <laughs> And once he graduates, you're going to try to bring him over to Manchester or are you going to let him decide his own destiny? I think he might end up at Bristol. but so I think there's quite a few clubs around there, but he is actually also playing for Wales Dodgeball. Well, he got selected and then COVID hit. So we were about to be like a brother-sister duo until COVID wrecked all plans. So hopefully that'll get started soon again. <laughs> that, hopefully that does get started. Um, what's his name? Oscar, Oscar Howard. Oscar Howard. Oscar, hopefully you get your chance, man. <laughs> um, let me tell you something. Coming from someone in a similar position who had an opportunity, it's hard, man. Just keep grinding, bro. Keep grinding, bud. And I promise you, you know, you'll be representing Wales at the NEC in no time and Euros going forward. So yeah. that's just my, my encouraging message to someone I don't know. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> and, um, so obviously you attempted to bring your sister in. That didn't work out. Your brother's in. He's quite younger and has opportunity to represent Wales alongside you. Uh, coming from someone who's followed Euros since 2013, I want to say, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of a brother-sister um, tandem representing the same team. So that would be historic. If I'm wrong, I, I will be corrected, but I don't think I've ever heard of a brother-sister uh, tandem. I think there might be two days, <laughs> two day brothers, but I mean, brothers, I mean, brother. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But brothers, brother, yes. Sister, yeah. I mean, brother, sister is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you graduated from Sheffield and you found your way to Manchester. Uh, why Manchester? Um, so Sheffield is on the east side of the Peak District, which is another national park area, but um, like the Lake District. Then Manchester is on the other side, so about an hour west of Sheffield, um Sheffield was a little bit too small for me as a city to work in so I just hopped over to Manchester because I've been to Manchester quite a lot uh, made loads of friends in the Manchester Uni Dodgeball Club called Muds um, who have now graduated and they're all in Manchester Bees as well um, and I just really like the city as well really nice and big lots of things to do and the north the people in the north are so lovely so much nicer than the south because I'm from near Cambridge, which is in the south, and generally the northern people are just a bit nicer. <laughs> Throwing shots at the south, I got it. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect that, at least in my experience, or maybe it was just because I was a visitor. I mean, I was treated well by everyone. So, but mm. then again, from London to Canic, I feel like I was still in the south. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, I think kind of it's kind of like Midlands, but there's very much a north-south divide. And the dividing line varies between different people. If you ask different people, they'll just say completely different kind of split of where the line is. <laughs> so I was pretty much at the border between south and north then. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, kind of like the Midlands area. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of where, yeah, roughly where it meets <laughs> nice so um, i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot so uh you said you chose manchester city or manchester sorry and um you love the city is bigger than sheffield and what it provided so are you city or, or united i'm so sorry but i don't follow football <laughs> i i really honestly don't know the difference between the two apart from i know they're different city clubs and i know that i've heard that derby day between the two of them is uh, quite messy in the city. Oh, that's, nice, not that's a nice like way of putting it. That's a nice yeah. way of putting it. <laughs> quite messy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just wanted to put you on the spot for a little bit, just to <laughs> just to kind of see what you re how would you react. 
um, just for my personal humor, just to make this spicy. Yeah, might as well. I, I typically do that, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been with uh, Manchester Bees? Um, almost two years now. So I actually started my job um, in Manchester two years ago. So and then just started training with the club straight away. So, yeah. So let's just say, hypothetically, you let's say every British dodgeball group is in like a conference hall, obviously, and you're trying to recruit people to be in Manchester. What would be your number one selling point to recruit people? men women what's what makes you guys stand out apart uh we're really friendly <laughs> no that's that's so basic so cheesy <laughs> come to us we'll make you smile um <laughs> actually because the thing is like all clubs pretty much all the clubs are just so friendly that you you can just get, walk into any club and just have a really fun time in the sessions and then everyone does socials um, I can't really think of what would be different specifically for Manchester that wouldn't be the same for any other club in the UK or just, well, world as well. Because mm. uh, I think like dodgeball is just such a friendly sport in general. Like it just brings the nice, friendly people out and like, welcoming so, people. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I did a foam recap um, for uh, Emily Walker. Um, was ah. on. She yeah. was on earlier. I want to say about two or three weeks ago that recap happened if anyone wants to listen to it it's in the archives and she pretty much said the same thing that dodgeball is a friendly sport uh manchester is a friendly team but you both left something out that i'm going to call you out on right now what's the secret how is it that you guys let's say in a team in a tournament of like 20 teams you guys always bring like 10 like how's that (laughs) you guys just bring an army you bring half of the city with you to represent it seems like yeah we've have quite a lot of people I think it's because, oh, pre-COVID, because I think COVID's kind of messed things up, but we'll ignore that. We'll um, ignore I that. Think it's probably because people like to move to Manchester just as adults, um, and then they like to stay in Manchester. But also we've got quite a lot of university feeder clubs. So we've got two in Manchester at least, which is Man Manchester Uni and Man Met. And then there's a lot of us from Sheffield who have moved over. Um, so I think it's just kind of, yeah, people feeding into Manchester and then just staying because the city is really cool. So it's a, a combination of the culture. Of, so it's a combination yeah. of culture of the team and the city as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we do a lot of kind of ability training and improvements. And yeah, I think we're just a really friendly club. So we just kind of retain people as well. Yeah, um, one of my favorite people that I had the, the pleasure of chatting with, uh, also in the archives about a couple months ago, was uh, Tamara. Oh. So um, I know, you, you know, some losing her would, was a big loss. Um, yeah, she's but such obviously, a babe. <laughs> but obviously, she had a great uh, job opportunity that she can't miss. So I'm going to ask yeah. you um, any fond memories you have with Tamara. Oh, so we like just drinking sessions and socials. Um, she, like, we both live, well, lived, because obviously she's now in Vienna, um, but we live really close together. So we started meeting up loads. I'd drop off like banana breads to her because she'd be, she was doing a master's course while also working like 12 hour shifts as a prison officer, while also doing a load of other things as well. Like, she's such a high flyer that she was just so busy doing things um but she did a really cool party which is like a murder mystery party in a pub um that was really fun where we all kind of dressed up um as different characters and so kind of solve like... <laughs> yeah you know, and then we tried to solve who got killed who got killed now who killed who yeah yeah that's kind of a weird twist <laughs> yeah because normally in murder mysteries you're determining who's a murderer you're not determining who got killed who got killed has already been determined. Oh, sorry, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> yes, someone was dead on the ground who had to stay dead for most of the, most of the evening, which was quite funny. Right. Um, and then, yeah, we we're trying to go around working out who the murderer was. I mean, each had a bit of information. So you then kind of start picking and choosing who you tell the information to. There you go. I like, 
wow, you guys, you, the British just came up with a twist to a game that we all know how to play. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so any personal highlights you have playing for Wales? Uh, so, oh, yes. So I played, well, I think my first international tournament with them was the Six Nations in Liverpool in 2016 i think 2017 mm. uh that was really fun but then i and i got to then play euros in italy i think it was like 2018 yes i'm really bad with dates so hopefully it's that day uh, no, you seem to know you seem to know more than i do uh, everything written down um and so yes yeah, so that was in italy so absolutely gorgeous place lovely and warm and sunny um and so I got to play for the women's and the mixed. Uh, all the matches were really fun. But the match we played against the Netherlands was just incredible. I think it was one of our last matches of the women's team for that tournament. Um, and we all just had so much fun. And I think we were, we were hugging each other in the other team at the end. And we all swapped uh, match shirts as well. Because we were just like, this is just so cool. Really good match. Um, so I've got a bright yellow bright orange fluorescent top in my drawers now from that <laughs> match so i've got good memories from it the 2018 euros were a highlight for you yeah yeah that was really fun uh did you not play in the 2019 no so i graduated in 2018 and then went on a year traveling um so i actually missed that euros which is really annoying um so hopefully i'll get to play again and we restart soon well i know british dodgeball has um you know they started their tournaments but then they're they're going they're they're winding down to starting leagues uh any idea or any like anything in the wire as far as like when international play can can happen for you guys um so i think soon we're going to start having training starting um, I think British Dodgeball need to have a chat with all the different governing bodies of the individual uh, international teams and then we'll start training soon. I feel, but I don't, I haven't heard anything about international tournaments restarting yet because um, obviously that's going to involve travel across borders. So I feel like that's probably going to take a little bit longer to start <laughs> up. But obviously I'm going to be the first one on the plane running straight where the first tournament is. You sound like me as soon as I find out when I come <laughs> over there. So um, safe to assume I had a blast. So trust me when I say if the first opportunity I have, I'm definitely going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, air for 10 hours and just wake up <laughs> on a different day. Uh, <laughs> or in your case, the same time zone. Oh, relative. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the Girls Dodge 2 campaign. Um, I mentioned it before. Uh, started roughly two to three months ago. Um, what was the reason behind it? Like, what inspired you or the main ambassador, I should say, in starting this? Um, so Alice Bowler started it. She works for the British Dodgeball. Um, so I think she's kind of leading this uh, program. And I think it's trying just to get more girls and women into the sport from all ages, so kids and up to adults. Because uh, we are... I think the men's teams are kind of outnumbering the women quite a lot. So it's just trying to do run fun sessions that are just focused on like the basic skills and kind of fun matches just to work on confidence, work on ability and just show that it's such a fun sport that anyone can play um, and can just, yeah, just make it accessible to so many new players. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you're pretty much the mission statement is um exponentially growing the women's involvement in the game and try to grow those women's teams yeah yeah and then so the each program so we have eight ambassadors one in each area so like my area is greater manchester and we'll be running we'll each be running eight sessions aimed at all the different ages and at the end of the eight sessions we're going to do a tournament where anyone who joined in the sessions can come along, get chucked into a team and play like a match day. And then we're also going to be running 
a little uh, young leaders or dodgeball leaders session where we're going to kind of train up people to then be able to lead sessions in the future in their own groups to, to kind of like spread spread the sport as much as we can uh, so uh, when will this tournament take place i think we're aiming for it to coincide with international women's day i don't um which is like 23rd of march i think it is oh wow. uh, so, so hopefully it'll happen about then yeah so quite a bit of planning to go ahead yes and hopefully with no limitations on numbers and everything so if we can have a nice freedom day playing some dodgeball yeah i mean to be fair you guys are way ahead of the curve than we are and that's <laughs> sad to say but you know anyone who's watching news on the states are probably laughing at us in that sense <laughs> yeah we're, yeah we're quietly laughing <laughs> quietly <laughs> you know, thanks for being honest. um not like we don't have enough going on is this uh <laughs> yeah sorts, guys <laughs> hey i'm fully vaccinated i can go to i can go to the uk right now i just yeah <laughs> so i'm ready for that i'm ready for the foam out there um because <laughs> yeah you guys are starting to play that i'm gonna have a blast <laughs> yeah we've actually we've um over the summer tournament season so we've had a about well, about 10 tournaments so far this summer uh, some tank. of them have been foam i think yeah i think there's a foam tournament happening this weekend actually so we also nah. have to have some more foam competitions well i'll be at the next one because this was a <laughs> but trust me i'll be at the next one cool. <laughs> barring any crazy uh outbreaks or anything i'll yeah um so I want to ask you something. It might be a little controversial, but I want you to answer it as honestly as you can. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take the floor with this one. So obviously you mentioned earlier that men's teams outweigh the women's. Um, I find that to be consistent across the globe. Um, what do you feel is like either the biggest barrier or barriers as far as um, women playing? Is it just the culture that they start off with? Is it the teams that they are currently on, what is it? What do you feel is like either A, the biggest hurdle or the little hurdles that are preventing the growth of women that you guys are trying to help kickstart? Yeah. Um, so, so this is my opinion. So there's other of opinions course. as well. Very open to like think about all the other things as well. But I think for me, I reckon it's the accessibility of sessions that's not just the basic of here's a session open to everyone come along it's having maybe women's only session just to kind of get the um confidence up because you don't i know women like myself i love playing mixed i love playing alongside men women it doesn't matter to me but there are women who are more they need like a women's only environment to start off with to get the confidence up and then it's also kind of that, the accessibility in terms of just language so I've been told a few times that oh you're just playing for Wales because you're a woman and there's not enough women and then that kind of thing repeatedly said to you gets into your head and you start repeating that yourself and then you start kind of doubting your own confidence and your own ability so it's kind of like the mental accessibility of like am I actually there because of my ability am I enjoying it and then it kind of you start getting a bit kicked down um so you just constantly having to fight that as well so I think a lot of it is in the language that people use and just trying to be encouraging to everyone and just kind of thinking before you say something that might be taken into the future by someone rather than just like a quick little comment <laughs> uh, a couple of things I want to touch on uh, about what yeah. you said. Um, one, I maybe it was just me being all the way over here. I was under the impression that there's plenty of women's sessions, um, be it from Manchester, be it from, I don't know, Granite City or whoever. Um, I do know some clubs who have that. Uh, probably can't think of them off the top of the head. Probably just named two, which is sad because you want to know at least as a woman, I'm pretty sure you want to know 
how many how many clubs are hosting women's only sessions because if you don't know then you don't know where to start that's for one um for two i'm sure that would be easier for most women to to start off with you know starting off in a familiar environment and if they decide to go to mix hey it's right there probably way more accessible now but hopefully that'll change um and three people saying what what do they say that you only play for whales because there's not enough women yeah one one thing i want to tackle on that well there's several things i want to tackle on that and this is going to be my personal rabbit hole to anyone who say that one whales have a solid team men women i'd argue the women are more successful as far as medals count goes i have a notebook where i keep track of that so um you get to play with amy you get to play with elisa that's that's a, oh, that's a they are amazing women. That's a privilege in and that of itself. And um, yeah. anyone trying to say that, you're not only downplaying women who choose to play for Wales because they have some Welsh lineage, you're downplaying the women there. And I guarantee you wouldn't say that to them if you're lined up against them, considering that their medal count is probably higher than what you have on the top drawer of your of your counter. So anyone who would say that, you can, you can find me in the comments really easily. It's not going to be a hard thing to find. Um, Wales are a solid team, whether they have plenty of women or not. The women that are on that team are solid, and they earn a they earn a spot to represent the dragons. So. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, you could tell. I, 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 I'm not a woman. I'm just someone who's privileged, and <laughs> I speak from a place where I can weaponize that pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we need. We need yeah the men, like yeah, use your energy. <laughs> and just to encourage more women and discourage that kind of behavior. So thank you. Discourage that kind of behavior, that kind of comment. Um, in the past year and a half of interviews, I've interviewed plenty of women who I know there's this uh, campaign. I kind of, I kind of bring it up every now and then called uh, this girl can. Yeah. Um, is that still around or is that like subsided? Um, I think it just subsided in terms of just COVID. You can't really do much in person. Um but yeah, I think it is still going ahead and they do like events throughout the year. I think where you have like a week of focus sessions, like at my uni in Sheffield, they would do a week of women's sessions, like kickboxing. And I think we had a few dodgeball sessions as well. And just, yeah, sessions kind of targeted at just women to come in into uh, safe environments to try different sports out. So if you look at the archives the past year and a half from season four to currently now, I've interviewed plenty of women who can. Uh, Amy Jones, Elisa, Vicky Barclay, um, Rosie yes. Everett from Australia, uh, Tamara Hofer three months ago, and the list goes on and on. And I also had Emily uh, Walker a couple of weeks ago. So that's definition right there that there's plenty of women who can, and I've interviewed them. So alongside uh, Hannah Catterall, Shannon Smith, I can go on and on if you want me to. I mean, I, I have a whole <laughs> second half of season five to go. So if that doesn't prove my doesn't prove the point, then you're probably listening to the wrong episode. Sorry. Actually, no, I'm not. If you feel bruised by it, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> we get real over here. Sorry for that, but we do get real. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I want to ask, um, who are your role models in uh, dodgeball? Um, in dodgeball, well, Emily Walker, she's a stunner of a coach and just such a lovely person to play alongside and against. Um, she's just got so much energy. She's just so bubbly as well. She's lovely. Um, Alex Benbridge, he's a fabulous coach. Um, he's he was he on the phone to coach me. Yes, yeah, I think he loves foam. I think he's playing this weekend as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the GB team. Yes. Um, he he's a very good coach, and it for me, I need things to kind of be told to me several times before my body will actually start doing it. And he has the patience to keep with that and keep kind of encouraging me to improve, which is really lovely. <laughs> um, then with Wales, there's Catherine Thomas who was one of the ladies coaches and Phil Williams. They're both incredible coaches. I think it's more kind of coaches that are my role, my role models because they That's just fine. put so much effort in 
to kind of improving and encouraging other people. Um, and then probably another one is Dom Smith, who used to play with my, one of my old teams, the Vikings, East Anglian Vikings. And he went to University of East Anglia, which is like nor near Norwich. Um, and he started Dodgeball Club there. And then has also started a community team called Norwich Nighthawks. Um, and he's just so full of love for the sport and just wanting to share it all with people. Um, so, yeah, so I think I just really like happy, bubbly people who are there to kind of encourage people and share the sport. Um, yeah. Uh, I definitely get that. I'm probably not the bubbly type, but I like to think I'm encouraging. Um, yeah, you do sound very encouraging. Probably not so bubbly, but eh, I can get over that. Um, <laughs> so what about uh, role models outside of dodgeball? Uh, probably going to be very... Oh, what? can't remember what the word is. Um, we'll say my mum. So my mum is just a ridiculous woman she does so many things she's like juggling like five different things at a time while also raising a family um so like she started off as a governor in my primary school because she wanted to be able to kind of make some changes to the school if and when things came up um then when I left primary school she was the chair of the governors um and then she started becoming trustees of like a leisure centre the local town trust um she's now the chair of the british chamber of commerce oh wow as well as be, being like a paid business consultant uh, she got her mbe five years ago which was really cool um and she's just still going she's doing so many things at once but she just keeps going and then she has so many like loving family and friends um yeah i think that's why i'm like I am doing quite a few different things at once um, and still saying yes to new things as well. <laughs> like doing an interview. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you say your mom got an MBE? Yeah. She yeah. Knighted? Not, not knighted. I think it's the, she got like three tiers of uh something of the British Empire and then the next tier up I think is being knighted as like a sir or a madam or something madam I think uh, be madam. but she yeah but the queen herself gave her the MBE which was an exciting time Dude. Um, on the same day as Benedict Cumberbatch got his that was cool um, obviously we were focusing on my mum but seeing Benedict in real person was quite a cool yeah. moment I mean, you saw Doctor Strange up close, man. That's really oh. cool. <laughs> well, see, I know him as Sherlock from like years and years ago in the BBC oh, yeah, no. program. Yeah, oh. no, I saw that too. <laughs> it was that was really good. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a controversial opinion. I think he was a better Sherlock than uh, Robert Downey Jr. I'm just gonna say they that. They were right very now. different Sherlocks. Yeah, so I think RDJ was more kind of action, whereas Benedict was more like kind of thinking imagining things and working like talking things through um, uh, don't get me wrong i, lo I love the uh, rdj for what he did but i can't imagine if sherlock holmes existed or not um him mm. pulling out krav mcgraw moves in england when that wasn't even around for the <laughs> study like i'm sorry like you're talking to a martial arts historian here that that would not have been accurate Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. If he had put out like some dirty boxing or Queensbury type style, then yeah, maybe. But, you know, pulling out moves like that would not have been accurate at the time. Now, if you were to say Sherlock Holmes in the modern day, yes, of course, there's definitely Krav McGraw and MMA schools all over the world right now. But during that time, no, not even close. Uh, I'm going to see the films in a completely different light now. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean... The charm RDG, RDJ has, he has a charm for it. But if you're looking at like the fight scenes and how that broke down, from a realistic aspect, it makes sense. But if you're looking at it from a historical context, unless Sherlock Holmes was some Israel special forces, he would not have been able to pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me. Kind of yeah, it's like interesting little details, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a nerd. I pay attention to things. So <laughs> as soon as something comes out, I'm like, there's some details I noticed that just 
kind of like take away my enjoyment in some ways. <laughs> um, so your mom, obviously several coaches, <laughs> several coaches. So I guess you look up to people who are in a position of power to help encourage and push forward. Yeah. And just making the world, at least their bit of the world, just better for other people. <laughs> So before we get into the crowdsource questions, do you have any pregame ritual before a tournament, before playing for Wales, bees? Anything um, you like to do? Go to the toilet. Get all that out of the way. I think we had one tournament where I was playing with the honey queen, honey bees, and one by one we all just kind of had to go to the loo just before a match. Um, <laughs> so that's probably one of them. I think just like the nervous we is, is very yeah. much a thing. It um, is. I don't really have a thing to do. I think it's just kind of just go in with like a smile on the face, have a chat with the team, make sure no one's kind of like bricking it. Bricking uh, it? <laughs> kind of like nervous, worrying oh. about it, kind of um, <laughs> very much a British <laughs> phrase. No, well, I, I get the phrase now because we say, okay, yeah. we say something similar, but we, we don't say bricking it. What do you say then? All right, you know what? I, I edit this. I edit this. Um, so you, you call it bricking it, right? Yeah. All right. So this is a reminder for me. I'm going to cut this in post. Uh, call it shit. Sweet. Yeah, we said that as well. But I thought bricking it would be a bit better for podcasts. Actually, it would be. And <laughs> so I got to and now. I got to censor it twice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was like, okay, maybe they don't say that over there. They're very polite. Oh, no, we swear a lot. Oh, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, that caught me off guard. I'm like, breaking it. What are we talking about now? Because we talk something else entirely. But no, you okay. uh, Language is universal. Got it. Uh, But no, that makes sense. I mean, go to the bathroom, then chat with your teammates and everything. Warm up. If you're the captain, go to the captain's meeting. So pretty routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so there's just there was one league meet where one of our teammates, Vic, she's she uh, is a Zumba instructor part time, and um, so we did about five ten minutes of a Zumba session on the side of the court to kind of warm up, and you get really pumped from that. Like you you get into the mood of just like jumping and ready to do whatever you need to on court. So I think that's that's a really good little warm up if anyone needs one. A 10-minute quick Zumba workout. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that works for some people. Uh, I'm not going to downplay it, but I got my own. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really the funsy type when I'm at the tournament. I'm just ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. Um, yeah. So I know a lot of times, uh, especially in the UK, dodgeballers either take a road trip or take the train. So I'm sure you probably listen to music along the way. Uh, is there any... <laughs> Uh, artists you listen to or songs you listen to uh, pre-game playlists um so i don't really i'm very just like pop music so like like lewis capaldi ed sheeran taylor swift just like proper belters uh, but then we went to a tournament on sunday and i was driving so i got my music set up and i had a playlist of the three high school musical films so we were sing- singing along to those on the way down that's a bit of karaoke. So, so some karaoke, really? <laughs> and then I put on Disney sing-alongs. So no. like let it go, let no. it go. No. no. Okay, hold on, time out. I gotta talk to you, Katie. <clears throat> I can talk to you, right, Katie? Um, yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call him out. Uh, he's my buddy. Uh, he was interviewed in season three. Uh, if you want to listen to it, his name is Andrew Ketchum. Now, for anyone who knows okay. Ketchum, he's a deadly phone player. Um, best way to describe him is someone like Stephen Dumbe, who's very powerful with his throw. Can Steve? Yeah, I definitely want to get him on later on, but that's beside the point. Um, <clears throat> someone who can kill you with his power, kill you with his accuracy multiple-time gold medalist for Team USA. And when you think about music to warm up to, um, and this is also with Shannon Smith when I interviewed her uh, early this year, um, 
when you think about people who listen to music for motivation, some people would think, okay, pop music, maybe metal, uh, maybe a sick instrumental or an Amy Jones case Tekken. Um, you're not thinking Disney music. This, and I'm going to censor it. This mother <laughs> listens to Disney music. Yeah. This dude to Tarzan and Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid and Lion King and I don't know, Toy Story, I guess. Uh, you got a friend in me. He's warming <gasps> up, listening to all this stuff in his head. And you're thinking like, okay, he's got a stone cold look on his face. And you're getting listening to Disney music. You I know we don't have the camera on right now, but you could look, you could probably tell the look on my face. Like <laughs> I got my beat to the hunch. I got my, I got my butt whooped to the hunchback and Notre Dame soundtrack. Didn't I? Yep. That, that was hellfire. Yep. He beat me to the rhythm of that song. Got it. Um, <laughs> so you mentioning Disney music, I'm like, God, <laughs> why? Just what is it with you and Disney? I think it just gets you pumped. Like it's just proper belters. Like you just have the windows in the car down and you just scream, shout along and it just gets your heart going. gets like in a really preppy, like bouncy mood. Okay. To then jump on court. And bounce and dodge and throw and everything. Uh, I mean, I get you. I mean, literally, the only Disney song I would say that would probably do that for me would be, and I mentioned it from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, uh, Hellfire. The the scene, the musical, like it was. That's probably the only thing that I would say would amp me up. Everything else, like, nah. What, what is this? This gets no play in my car at all. This gets no play on my Pandora. What are we doing here? <laughs> but no, I respected it. To, to each their own. It, this is actually the third time I heard this. <laughs> That's two more times I expected. So you and uh, Shannon Smith have that in common. So yeah. Out there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do some censoring for sure. Uh, <laughs> I try to keep it clean, people. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you don't hear the, you don't hear it in in post, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah. so we're going to get into the crowdsource questions. And cool. Emily Walker uh, from the phone recap uh, I did a couple weeks ago. What do you feel? And I think we kind of tackle this. What do you feel is the biggest obstacle getting women involved in dodgeball? So, is there any other obstacles outside of language and accessibility? I think it's just kind of training, kind of training coaches to be able to coach skills like how to hold a ball if you can't grip the ball. So obviously a lot of men, more men than women can grip a ball straight away and then just throw kind of like above the head, straight down, they've got it. But then some coaches just don't know how to then try different ways. So like the grip around the body, slingshot, um, those kind of things, just like, so to make, to allow women to then play a sport with increased skills that uh, just a gener generic kind of coach just might not think about, might mm. not realise that that's needed. Um, and then with the players, kind of getting it, I don't know, not teaching them, but just showing that, if they're more open with their language so uh, one thing I can prefer is when you're talking about adult women to call them women or ladies rather than girls so to make like make sure you give them like kind of give them the proper name of their adults use kind of women in sex even that kind of that just difference is a tiny language thing but it adds it all adds up um hmm. And then just in sessions, if you're going up against someone new, obviously in sessions you want to be training your hardest, but then maybe just lessen it a little bit just to kind of help people work on their confidence and then you can kind of build it up from there. But I don't want to, then I don't want to tell people to throw really light and just not enjoy training themselves. So it's kind of, mm. it's finding like an in-between of making it open and friendly to new people, but also kind of training yourself so you're not missing out 
Um, there's just lots of little things that can be done that when you add them together, it makes a huge difference. And there were, a lot of them are kind of habit things that once you get the hang of them, you don't even think about it when you do them. Um, mm. And yeah, just every little thing just helps. So I definitely agree with all that. Um, so you say for most women, they can't grip the cloth ball right off the bat? Yeah, because so I can do it, but it takes a because you're not used to gripping a ball like that. Um, so it's even just using your hand to grip it is a new, like a new way of using your hand muscles. So it takes a while to even just grip it. Um, so you can use, so I think obviously you've probably played with a few cloth balls before. Mm -hmm. So you know how there's like stickers. So you yes. can use those because they're quite sticky, um, sticky stickers. You can use, <laughs> you can put your fingers on those to kind of get some more grip on the ball and put your fingers right. on the seams of the cloth. So there's different ways of holding the ball, different orientations to make a grip easier. Uh, rather than just saying, pick up a ball and throw it, you can kind of add a few more tips in. Yeah. Um, actually, I have one uh, if you want to hear it. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I mentioned it earlier, a uh, bit of a martial arts historian. But I also grew up doing judo, uh, uh, taekwondo, and kyokushin. And primarily oh. with judo, uh, it does help you with your grip strength. And oh. So one of the things that I did, even when I was a little kid, and even now, um, now thinking about it, um, well, there's two things I would do. Uh, so let's say if you have a kettlebell nearby, right? Um, let's say you have a 10-pound kettlebell. We'll just keep it light. So instead of grabbing it from the handle, put your palm in between where the handle and the, and the weight is and like kind of grab it and like try to mimic your hands right now. Put your hand in front of you. Yeah. I guarantee your fingers are spread apart right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to close the distance between your fingers, almost clamping it and keep your thumb open, almost like making an L. Yeah. Okay. So imagine doing that, just putting your whole like hand underneath the, or not underneath, but like over the, the kettlebell, but not on the handle and just lifting it. Ah. Yeah. Can imagine, because obviously the weight as well, you've got to grip it hard to kind of pick it up. Right. Because ah. if you're grabbing it from the handle, you have already, you had some leverage. Yeah. But if you're grabbing it straight as if the handle wasn't there, you know, that's going to give you an added challenge for your forearms your triceps, uh, for your palm strength, your ligament strength on your fingers. Um, that's something I do, like, especially when you're trying to throw someone, whether they're your size or heavier. Um, so, yeah, you do that with at least both hands so that even if you can't find the seam or even if you can't find the sticker, and, it, and this, this was something I, I tried to do um, when I came back from Canik, uh, realizing that that would have helped for sure. Uh, just training your grip strength more so with that because I feel like, with foam, you can pick it up right away. With rubber, you can pick it up right away. With cloth, it's unique in its own challenge that once you get a handle on it, great, you can throw it, but it takes a while to get it. Yeah, I think that's a really good bit of advice. Yeah. I don't have yeah. any kettlebells lying around, annoyingly, but... <laughs> you could do it with a dumbbell, just... too. So if you put a dumbbell um, on its end and just pick it up from that instead of using the handle. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah, that's really uh, good also, also um, something that was also brought to my attention. Um, I don't know if you have like a pound of rice nearby, yeah. like in a in a bag, unopened. Yeah. So you can kind of you can kind of start with that. Try to like use both your hands to kind of like squeeze it in. Hopefully, not breaking the package. Or if you end up uh, breaking the package itself, put it in a bowl. Don't cook it and kind of like just do do what I just um, kind of showed you and keep your, hand, your fingers together and your uh, thumb apart and kind of making an L and just kind of like almost like mashing the rice. Yeah. To improve your uh, grip strength. Cool. All right. <laughs> I think I'll take that forward, that bit of advice. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's just something I thought coming from judo would definitely help as far as grip strength goes. Yeah, sounds good. All right, so I don't know. it's gonna take me a while to transition. Uh, 
Um, next question comes from my good friend, Dan Chamberlain. Um, we, I, I guess we kind of touched on this before, but if you want to add to it, what ways can we grow the sport more for both all genders that has been historically male? Uh, so let's kind of divert this. How can, how can a male uh, help the women's game grow? So I'd say first, just be open to women coming along, having no idea what they're doing. Because uh, we're kind of we're talking about the women who aren't used to playing sport. So I think sport, playing any kind of sport, gives you confidence. Playing another sport, so those women themselves probably have a good amount of confidence already. But we're talking about the ones who are completely new to any kind of sport. Are just turning up on the first day, have no idea what they're doing. Just be open to altering how you go about in your sessions to make it more open to these new women coming along. Um, so like maybe just altering how you throw uh, a little bit. Just little things like that. Yeah, I think there's just so many just little things yeah, that, like we said, um, even if you're not a coach, and you're just a random player, just having a chat, um, letting them know just like, yeah, it's a really cool sport. Um, I don't really know from there. <laughs> it's all good. We can move cool. on to the next one. Yeah. Robert Jimenez. Um, I remember when I played years ago that co-ed teams would just have girls basically kneel in front of the male players in order to uh, block or catch. I felt like that was incredibly demeaning. I was wondering if teams have moved away from that strategy. Now, was, I, this was kind of common uh, for a while back in the States. Was this something that you also noticed over in the UK? Yes, I think this does still happen a little bit with mixed teams in that women players are kind of more told to let the boys go on the wings or let the men go on the wings. If you have a ball, give it to a man. And then you're only really then starting to play once all the men are gone and are out. Um, so it's kind of, but then if you keep doing that constantly, then the women aren't going to get, aren't going to improve their abilities. So that's kind of like stunting the women's growth. Uh, and all they're really focusing on there is just staying alive or getting the balls to the men as quick as possible. So I think it's just focusing on doing mixed team training, making sure that the women and the men are throwing the same amount, getting the same kind of training, and then just trying to play as if the men and women are the same. Obviously, I know that there's, there's sometimes like strength differences. Some women I know are so much better catchers and some men are th better throwers. But then you've got the other, like there are people that are the other way around and you don't want to start stunting their growth and their development by just saying all the men do this, all the women do this. So it's, yeah, I think it's focusing on how to do the team based on each person's ability rather than just the stereotypes. Spot on. Um, cool. I, I definitely know. Um, <laughs> you sounded like you were <laughs> just out of breath there. <laughs> I, kind of, I got to the end of my sentence and realized that I do hope I've, I've just answered the question. I can't actually remember what the question was now. No, um, I mean, but no, what I was going to say is like, I definitely know several women who could throw that cloth ball better than I can. Mm. Probably way more accurately too. I mean, I could fling it for sure, but I can't, I'm not going to compare myself to Amy or Elisa or any of them anytime soon, you know? Like they're it, very it strong. Yeah. yeah, they're very strong. I was like, if if I was on Carmarthen, like speaking for them, like I would probably have them play that male dominated wing role, mm. if that's the case, because they're very powerful. Yeah. So I, I would I would uh, venture as to say, like if more women saw how they played along with other women, then they'll feel encouraged to to hop on. Yeah. All right. Um, so you answered every question with as much detail as possible. Sweet. We've been on for almost an hour now. Oh, a little oh, bit blimey. over. Now. But <laughs> wait, what was that? Blimey. What? It hasn't felt like an hour. It's felt a lot. It's gone faster than I thought it had. And that's the right way oh. around. So I'm guessing blimey means like, oh, wow. Right. Yes. Sorry. Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, no, I, was, cool. I don't it's remember cool. how to have my like my British translation 
going on as well at the same time. Well, I, I try to. Um, <laughs> I always try to say that my accent might sound universally acceptable, but probably doesn't. So I try to do my best to appeal to everyone. <laughs> but um, yeah, you've been we've been on for almost an hour now. Um, you've been really solid, but I'm going to hit you in the gut with this question. And it's <gasps> called the legacy question. Ooh. So um, I hope you're ready for it too, because you've had some time. Right, I'm preparing. I'm ready. I've got this. (laughs) So Katie Howard of Manchester Bees, an ambassador for Girls Can Dodge 2, or sorry, Girls Dodge 2. Yeah. How would you like to be remembered once you play your final game? Um, Oh, that's that's quite a hard, big hitter, isn't it? Um, I think just sharing the love of dodgeball to as many people as possible and bringing as many people as possible into the sport uh, from people who play sport and just bring them to from other sports to newbies. So I, I coach, I help coach for the Bees Academy. So I coach the under-11s every week and just getting those players coming back every single week, saying they've, they've loved the sessions and just seeing them kind of grow, uh, especially like, oh, there's some really tiny girls who just have the most incredible throws already and I just know that they're I've been part of the reason that they're coming back to the sessions and they're going to keep doing it in the future and so I've kind of created these players who are just going to keep growing the sport themselves Um, so I think I can already see it in that Um, yeah I think just yeah being known as the person who's kind of help to spread the sport and spread awareness of just how fun a sport is. So a couple of things to touch <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> I know you laugh, but this is just my impression. Um, well, first off, you, you did point to a lot of role models in a position of power that are encouraging. Um, one of them being from Can- uh, who played in Cancun, uh, Benbridge. And I would like to say like him, even more so, uh, your platform is going to help you grow with that. You're going to definitely impact a lot of women to pick up the game. And a lot of people are going to point to you um, for, for that being the reason why they play dodgeball, whether it be the youth people or youth kids or the women that just hop into the game without any sports experience like yourself. You, you're definitely going to leave a, a mark with them on that end. But you're also not going to be the only one. So I want to shout out a few names. Uh, part of the Girls Dodge 2 campaign, um, outside of Katie Howard, who's an ambassador, we also have Emmy Sharp. We also have Maddie Smith, Lizzie Raljulson, Diva Connell, Molly Shackleton, Kim Sparrow, and Akila Khan. So like Katie, these women can. And I've interviewed plenty of women who can, and I can attest that Katie can as well. She's one of those players who are going to leave a lasting mark and an empowering mark. And also collect medals along the way, especially in the faces of some men who may try to speak to, to speak down to her. So with that being said, that's the legacy you left with me, Katie. If this Aww. were to be your final game. You're going to make me cry. That would be nice. <laughs> It'd be nice to make you cry. Is that what you said? No, that was really nice. Um, no, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just really lovely. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So just know that from Manchester to Hollywood, California, your your name is going to be remembered. And once this episode airs, if you're listening to it, you'll know who she is too. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> um, as we were about to wrap this up, um, any shout outs you'd like to give? Oh, um... I'm like one of those people on the radio, like, oh, 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 can't remember. Um, probably just all my Sheffield Uni people. Just love you guys, like just everyone. Um, Nina, Betty, they were just so lovely to play with. Um, and then all the Manchester Bees, women, men, everyone. Uh, I can't remember names. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, just everyone I just meet at Dodgeball. They're just all so lovely. <laughs> And um, you guys have a Instagram page, Facebook page that we can follow. Yeah, yeah, we do. So Girls Dodge Two can be found on Facebook and on Instagram. And um, you guys have a YouTube channel as well. 
Not yet. Not um, yet. But we, yeah, we've got a load of posts up on our Instagram page. Um, and yeah, just contact it if you have any ideas, suggestions, questions. We're, there's all of us part of it. And um, yeah, we'd love to have any advice chucked at us, any ideas. Uh, we're always open for new things. And new things will be coming your way once people yeah. know your story. With that being said, we will wrap up. And that was my interview with Katie Howard. Thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story uh, alongside with the mission statement behind the campaign, Girls Can Dodge, or Girls Dodge 2. I got to get that right. Girls Dodge 2. Um, you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and a upcoming YouTube channel uh, that she alluded to. Um, I'll post the links uh, in the episode down below um, <clears throat> when that all gets sorted out. Uh, normally, I like to prelude to the next guest um, in the final thoughts section, but I want to give a specific uh, shout out for Jim of Rise of Brutality. Um, we're praying for your recovery, man, and I want want you to know from the bottom of my heart, as well as everyone listening, um, we want you to make a full recovery. When the world resumes to normal, we want you to show us brutality one more time. <laughs> With that being said... I will wrap this up and I'll see you next time.